from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. Over the weekend, uh, former Virginia quarterback Brennan Armstrong tweeted out that he's going to be joining the Wolfpack. That raised a few eyebrows because the way the season played out, a lot of folks were optimistic about M.J. Morris. Problem is that M.J. Morris got hurt at some point during the Boston College loss. Didn't see him again. There was some optimism that he was going to play in the bowl game against Maryland. He did not. You saw Ben Finley again. And so what we've seen out of M.J. Morris is, what, like a series against Syracuse? We're late in the game against Syracuse. You had the win against Virginia Tech, the win against Wake Forest, the loss against Boston College. There was some optimism, but here comes Brennan Armstrong out of the transfer portal for one more season. He has one year left. He does have a relationship with uh, what Robert Anai, uh, the, the new offensive coordinator who's replacing Tim Beck, who left for the Coastal Carolina job. And to me, it makes sense. He spent, what, two seasons in Virginia with Anai? So I don't know about you, Joe. If, if MJ Morris can redshirt and you get one more season out of Brennan Armstrong, What's wrong with that? Am I am I am I misreading this? Yeah, let's go back to Morris because his mom was on Twitter yeah. this weekend, and I'm very thankful for her because we finally got some injury information. <laughs> according <laughs> according to his mom, yeah, he played with a lateral meniscus tear and a strained LCL during the Wake Forest game. That's crazy. So he started against Boston College, and we saw a couple of plays mm-hmm. where it looked like his knee was you know kind of tweaked in some scrums, and obviously he was slowed by the end of that game. Unfortunately for NC State, he played in five games because for unknown reasons, well, I shouldn't say that. That's that's 2020. They brought him in in the Charleston Southern game, mm-hmm. okay, because they thought, well, you know, we have Devin Leary. We're never going to need this kid, so what, what better way for us to get him a few reps than to play him against Charleston Southern in garbage time? I forgot about the Charleston Southern game. So he played in five games, so he's not eligible to redshirt from this season, gotcha. but he was a true freshman. Mm-hmm. To your point now, how whatever you think about the knee, the severity of it, and it, I'm not a doctor, so I don't know. The mom's saying, sounds like it was more complicated uh, yeah. than anything NC State ever led us to believe. And, and shame on NC State for not providing more information about, about the injury, okay? You know how I feel about that. Mm-hmm. If, this, if this gives him a chance to not have to play this the 2023 season, and Ben Finley is the backup, I say, and it gives him a chance to learn Robert and I's system, I say, that's what you do. Mm-hmm. Because think of it this way. This is a down. This is going to be a down year for NC State. Their schedule is a little bit different. They still have to play Clemson. But remember, they're playing Notre Dame next year, too. In a normal down year under Dave Doran, they're 4-8. and eight. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be 4-8 and eight anymore. No. So if Brendan Armstrong, a fifth-year quarterback, who was outstanding in 2021 with Robert and I at Virginia, if he gives you a chance to avoid one of those down years, maybe get you to seven and five, don't you take that over going four and eight and and zero and eight in the league again? Yeah, or one and seven in the league, you don't want that. Yeah, I don't. I I, I think now, of course, all of this is contingent upon how honest are you. With MJ Morris, like, what were those conversations like? Did you say, "Hey, it could be because it's a fluid situation, right?" You bring in an eye, 
we heard this real early from from Brandon Bishop, former NC State player, tweeted this like two days after an I was hired. Mm-hmm. Hey, he's going to be bringing Brandon Armstrong with him. Yeah. Heard it from a good source. Mm-hmm. Turns out that source was right. So Armstrong had a really difficult this year at Virginia this year. The whole team did with even before the tragedy at the end of the season. Unfortunately for them, Des Kitchings was their offensive coordinator. Des Kitchings was the offensive coordinator in 2019 at NC State. That was a disastrous year for NC State's offense. Mm-hmm. So there's plenty of NC State fans who could sit here and tell you, well, I'm not going to hold that against them. No, don't. And then, you know, again, if you have a chance with eye with his system to bring somebody in who's in their fifth year, I'm guessing this is a minimal NIL pay. They're gonna, they paid him something. He's not coming for the you know out of the generosity of his no, own heart. Of course not. I'm guessing this is a minimum because they need to fix their offensive line. Mm-hmm. Like if they're spending big ticket money in the portal this year, it needs to be on their offensive line. And uh, whatever's in the works there, I hope it works out that way. And then you give yourself a chance to avoid that down year. And I, so I don't blame Anai. I don't blame Armstrong. And I don't blame Dave Dorn. And if Dave Dorn had those open and, and clear communications with MJ Mars, there's no problem here. Yeah, I don't really care what, at this point in college football, I don't really care what coaches tell us, okay? Because they don't have to. I mean, the ACC has stripped all those things out of the equation. No, they don't have to. They don't have to. So I don't care. If you don't want to tell us, you don't want to tell us, it's whatever. Just don't come complaining when you get, oh, you don't know the real story. Okay, cool. You could tell us what the real story is. That's on you in yeah. those particular cases. So you and I are in agreement on that. The only thing I care about is what you just referenced. Is there a clear communication? Do MJ Morris, the parents, and the coaching staff understand what's coming up? And I get the general sense of what happens. This is not just to NC State. This is about every program that doesn't have the guy right now. Like Carolina doesn't have to worry about this. They got Drake May. They're good. They can enter into these types of discussions after this upcoming season. But everywhere else that doesn't have the guy, you are in constant fear of your quarterback that you might think has a bright future going somewhere else for whatever reason it might be. And we know how NC State fans can be. They glom on to the next quarterback that gives them hope because of a history That's what they do. of quarterbacks who have made them relevant, going all the way back to Phillip Rivers. So I get where the mindset is. And why would you burn MJ Morris? Well, my guess is that everybody understands what the deal is. And if the injury is a little bit worse off than they led us to believe, well, then they're actually doing MJ Morris a favor. I was going to say also not the biggest kid in the history of the world. No. Gives him a chance to work with Thunder Burnett for another year and get him really ready for those final three years. It's actually a pretty smart plan. That's how I viewed it. But then again, I made the mistake of going on Twitter and uh, some people might view it a little bit differently, which is whatever. Twitter is not the most um, true source of sentiment. Back to the NFL, great news with DeMar Hamlin. He is back in Buffalo to rec- uh, to continue his recovery. He was released from UC Medical, uh, where he has been since last Monday after he suffered a cardiac arrest. It's been just un- just incredible, incredible progress that he's made since a week ago. Uh, so there's that update. Elsewhere in the NFL, we know that the Cardinals are going through yet another changeover. Cliff Kingsbury was fired as the head coach. This is months after they had signed him to a contract extension through 2027, so money isn't real, as always in the NFL. Meanwhile, speaking of the Wolfpack, Steve Kime, he's been their longtime general manager. He has decided to, quote, step away from his position in order to focus on his health, end quote. 
We got a question from one of our listeners uh, for Hey Joe, but I guess we didn't get to it, and this is a perfect time to bring it up. And he was asking, hey, with Cliff Kingsbury being available, should the Panthers interview him? And it's like, what about Cliff Kingsbury would lead you to believe that he would be successful for the Carolina Panthers? It was an eye-opener that he got the job in the first place, given where things had gone for him in college. The real question you should be asking yourself is, what Power 5 team will bend over backwards to hire Cliff Kingsbury next year? Or, if you're Jimbo Fisher, do you tell Bobby Petrino, who you just hired as your offensive coordinator after he had just taken a position, what, what, UNLV? I think it was, the OC position at UNLV. Do you tell Bobby, hey, do you still have that job available at UNLV? Because I want to bring Cliff Kingsbury in now. Is that cool? Like, do unto, do unto Bobby Petrino as he has done to others. That's how I would view it. But, no, I think uh, I think Jimbo Fisher wants to maintain the most. We all we all agree that we put too much importance on quarterbacks in, in, in assigning win and loss and value. Of course. Of right? Course, of course. Here are the three years that Patrick Holmes was at Texas Tech when Cliff Kingsbury was his coach. Four and eight, seven and six, and five and seven. Mm-hmm. You mean the guy who could just go out and win another Super Bowl this year? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, it's kind of funny how that works out. Maybe he's not a good coach. It's the OG alongside Joe Chilio. I'm Joe. Ogles. I'm not saying. I'm not. I'm saying. just saying. Yeah, he's a handsome dude. His apartment looks like all get out, but that that ain't gonna win you games in the NFL. Yeah. So I think I have a feeling David Tepper learned his lesson with Matt Rule, and he's not gonna go down that route again. Just a hunch. Did you know that your unused medications could end up in the wrong hands? It's important to keep your medication secure in a locked location, such as a locking box or locking cabinet. When it's time to dispose of them, safety and properly dispose of old, expired, or unused meds by using an at-home disposal product or a medication disposal box in your community. Don't miss out on medication take-back events happening near you. Don't let anyone take what's yours. Lock your meds. Be aware. Don't share. Learn more at lockyourmeds.org nc. Check us out on YouTube. Look up 99.9 The Fan on YouTube. Smash that subscribe button. Plenty of content on there. Stuff from our show, Adam Gold show. Check out Culture State. It's all there. All you got to do is look up 99.9 The Fan. Hit that subscribe button. Leave the comments. Joe, I was told that uh, people want more Canes content. So I've been told. Now we're in the new year. You got the outdoor game right around the corner. I think things are ramping up for the Hurricanes again. Things are ramping up in the ACC in terms of conference play, uh, but you, you'd be a little surprised by who's sitting atop conference play right now. Clemson. Just a little surprised. Clemson. <laughs> unbeaten in league play. Followed by Miami at 4-1. and one. Pittsburgh, who's coming to Cameron Indoor Stadium on Wednesday night to play Duke at 4-1. and one. Meanwhile, you got your usual suspects, Virginia, North Carolina, and Duke at three and two in the league. I will say that I guess we can go in order of eyebrow razor, right? The biggest eyebrow razor for me is that Duke's offense continues to not function at a high level. I can praise Duke defensively all day, and they've got that identity. And I understand that you can win games by preventing teams from scoring more than you, 
but it's going to bite him in the ass like it almost did against Boston College. And you can, you can, I can credit Boston College for being a feistier team than some people wanted to say at the beginning of the year. But, whew, on the road, after they just got their ass handed to them by NC State, that's what do you like to call those? Like a little breeze, fire, come out, you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, we know how things would have played out under Coach K. Sure. This was, that was a little alarming for me uh, against Boston College. Listen, I, I, I'll i say it, and our friend Nada will immediately tweet at me, but I don't want to be the bad guy here. Yeah, well. But you did a transition in order to preserve a recruiting class. And maybe I'm not being that fair to Derek Whitehead and Derek Lively, but I just don't see it. It's not there. I, right I just don't see it. Mm-hmm. Because, Duke, you're about to get the speech. You need more better players. That's mm-hmm. what it comes down to. You need more better players. NC State went out and got Jarkel Joyner. Look how that turned out. It's paying off for them right now. Pretty good. Yeah, it's paying off for Pretty them Pretty right good. Uh, NC State is still susceptible to um, some curious play down the stretch. I mean, they looked like they had things in control against Virginia Tech, and they decided, ah, let's earn this ice Joyner cream on the road, shall took we? took care of the free throws. He did. That was fine. He did. All NC State's done is put themselves in position to be in position. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at this game on Saturday against Miami. Miami's 5-1 and one this year in Q1 games. Yeah. Do you know who's getting in the NCAA tournament? Miami. A team with a 5-1 and one record in Q1 games. Yeah. And by the way, this is a Q1 game for Miami, but not State on Saturday. So, But this is more of, hey, this has an old school feel to me of, oh, we lost at your place. We, we kind of outplayed you for 30 minutes, for, uh, excuse me, 25 minutes. Yeah. And we'd like to do that again. We want to see you again. And you know what? Jim Laranagas doesn't have that team ready because he always does. And so I'm really looking forward to this game Saturday. Early game on a Saturday. Big crowd, by the way, at the Smith Center on Saturday. Like, just as we predicted mm-hmm. for that 11-30 game. We'll see what PNC Arena looks like on Saturday for, for an afternoon delight. Well, I mean, if NC State uh, seems to be bringing people back in because they're interesting again, then, yeah, it should be a pretty decent crowd. You mentioned uh, the Tar Heels and the Fighting Irish on Saturday. Yeah, it was an 11-30 game. I was a little, a little surprised by that. I'm also surprised by how badly things have fallen off for our guy, Mike Bray, at Notre Dame. These are stacked-on-stacked stacked bad seasons for Notre well, Dame. Well, last year they made the NCAA tournament. He had a one, a rare one-and-done player. They tried again this year mm-hmm. with, to build around kind of a one-and-done kind of guy. You know, they're not the toughest team in the history of the world. They're, they're, they're a finesse team that relies on ball movement and their three-point shooting, and, and they're a little bit short in that category right now. And with, uh, with the Tar Heels... We're a broken record when it comes to the Tar Heels. Uh, when one of their big three guys is on, things are likely going to be on the winning end. Armando Baycott, eight. R.J. Davis had a pretty decent game. Caleb Love got back on the right side of things. I mean, took a lot of shots, whatever, but he looked like Caleb Love again. And obviously teammates are going to be hyped up and, and fans are going to be hyped up because there was a little uh, little action, a little Donnie Brook there that Caleb Love did not take two, and he got into it. And the one thing, the one development about the Tarzans. Which I thought was good. You standing up first team. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, lo- I absolutely love that. I loved seeing that. It was a cheap play. Kid kick, uh, Cormac yep. Ryan kicking the Puff Johnson on his way up. But you don't need that in basketball. And that's what that's what Caleb Love should have done. And, and shouts to our guy, Clint Waltney, mm-hmm. for going over and make, making sure Caleb Love was just <laughs> kind of fronting there. Like, hey, you, you don't need any more than that. We don't no. need any swings, don't need any suspensions, don't need any injuries. So uh, I thought that worked out the way that it should have worked out. So the one other development that I would add to the Tar Heels so far is that we're seeing more consistent minutes out of Seth Trumbull. 
Uh, I know we've talked about this with the Tar Heels and depth, getting other guys involved. Um, I forgot. I think it was uh, from Dagum Box Scores. Uh, Chris, who runs that Twitter account, covers the Tar Heels, does a great job, had put out what the Tar Heels, you know, what they are in terms of bench minutes. They're one of the not worst. Saying worst is a, is the wrong way to put it, but they're dead last in terms of using their bench. Yeah, one of the tightest benches. Actually, and the tightest bench. It's the tightest bench. Uh, so it's good to see that Tremble is actually getting some time in there because uh, I think that's a positive development for the Tar Heels as they're going to need more guys uh, in these situations in the NCAA tournament. That that was part of the reason why the NCAA tournament success for the Tar Heels was so um, eye-opening is that they were fairly competitive against Duke and Kansas in the Final Four and the championship game when they actually had to go to their bench. That's why there was so much optimism about Puff Johnson. I was just saying, that's why I thought Johnson would have a bigger role yep. this year. I know there's been some injury issues there, but I, you know, you look at the minutes, Johnson and uh, Trimble, both more than 20 mm-hmm. in the win over Notre Dame. I, I think that's going to help North Carolina in the long run. Ultimately, though, this team is going to go as far as their big three take them. Are you ready for the big game? At The Designery, we can help you arrange your kitchen in the perfect way to feed everyone coming over for the big game. I'm Dana Merrill, the owner of The Designery in North Raleigh. And I am True Merrill. The Designery grand opening, we're scheduled to open May 16th and do our grand opening party then. We're going to be catering some food. We're doing some giveaways. We have a VR headset, an Echo Show, some kitchen gadgets, and some fancy knives. 12 to 2 p.m. Please stop by our showroom, 3030 Wake Forest Road. That's The Designery at The designery.com back to the nfl the regular season is in the books transactionally speaking there's been one major move cliff kingsbury out from the arizona cardinals uh, steve keim the general manager has stepped away for health reasons according to some reports Kyler murray their quarterback is going to get some input as to who the next coach is going to be why based on what exactly like people were making a big deal about the fact that Scott Fitterer, the general manager of the Carolina Panthers, just kind of casually dropped in that Nicole Tepper, David Tepper's wife, will be a part of the coach search process. And we're like, what? I mean, she is involved in the organization. I get that part. I don't get the part about Kyler Murray getting a say, or at least his input at this point. We shall see, especially through the way the year went. But the wild card weekend is upon us. The um. We get one old gunslinger in this thing. We got Tom Brady, Joe. We get Tom Brady on a Monday night, prime time, the lone game against the Dallas Cowboys, who always love to hurt their fans in epic ways. I mean, we kind of saw this yesterday with their loss to the Washington Commanders. We don't get Aaron Rodgers. We'll put a pin in that. We'll get back to Aaron Rodgers in, in a little bit. He might come up in hot and cold. But um, I... I can absolutely see a slog of a game next Monday between the Buccaneers and the Cowboys and Tom Brady gets one last playoff glorious moment that we can all just lose our minds over come Tuesday and dominate the week. I'm like, oh, can he do it? See, because I think you're one game off when it comes to Tom Brady and the old gunslinger um, routine. I'm not, and I'm going to be serious here for okay. just one second because I believe in Giselle. Okay. I, I think she had a frank conversation with him last year. Sure, I'm with you on that. And I think she told him, why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. What is left? A Monday night win over the Dallas Cowboys? What, what's left? Maybe that's it. She convinced him to retire for 40 days. He comes back. 
They're the definition of mediocre or average this year. They beat all the other average or bad teams, and that congratulations, that made them the NFC South champions. And in the interim, I'm not saying Giselle could have predicted the Demar Hamlin situation, but she had her head on a swivel to know this. These are the risks you're taking, and for what? Mm-hmm. At 45 years old, mm-hmm. why? You don't love us that much? You want to be away from us that much? He loves football too much, man. It's hard for some people to quit. It's hard for some people to quit. That's fine. Think about how lucky you are to spend 22 years in the NFL. Yeah. And have your faculties be able yeah. to be able to still be mobile, to be able to still have your brain function. Not everybody has that awareness. And it's not just even well, I think she did. I think well, she, she and did. I think she actually got through to him. But it was it just lasted that long for a moment because ultimately some people can't see past that because he's coming back next year he'll he'll play next year the question is where yeah I mean but there's it, no doubt he's playing next there are, year there are some places I can tell you it won't be like it's not going to be New England I mean why would you go back there uh, given the kind of team that they have it has to be yet another team that's stacked the same way that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were stacked when he arrived defensively right. and they had well that's the, on the Raiders players. have the most are the Raiders that team well the Raiders and the Dolphins both have the most the Raiders have a, probably have a better offensive line than the Dolphins yeah. but so that that would be the most important thing to me now that could be fixed mm-hmm your offensive line can be fixed it can be although offensive line play in the NFL is voodoo in a lot of For sure. a lot of ways I don't know. And if it San does Fran- help to be Tom Brady because, I mean, a lot of the rules were created so he can't be touched. There's San Francisco, but does Kyle Shanahan want to work with him at this point? I mean, they got a good look at if, Tom Brady if a they, few weeks ago. If they flame out, the 49ers, if they, and I expect, the, I expect the Super Bowl to be the 49ers and the Bengals. I can see that. If the 49ers flame out with Brock Purdy, I, would, I think they will make a move and go get Tom Brady. That's okay. what I think they would do. So here's my here's my concern. If they win it though, why would they? Now at that point there's no reason to do that. You got Brock Purdy locked in, man. Yeah. You're good. My this is this this is more about the Dallas Cowboys than it is about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And you have every right to have okay. that feeling about them. They okay. have proven to you, yes. So And so much, has Tom Brady in the playoffs. Much like Tom Brady has proven to you, and even in during certain situations in the regular season, has proven to you that he still has a little something you pointed out that it's usually against the bad teams, yeah. but you still can do it. Well, this just in, you can still be a bad team that makes the playoffs. The Buccaneers are one of them, but are the Dallas Cowboys also one of them? Dallas Cow- the Dallas Cowboys are alarming in that they had just as much to play for this past weekend than anybody else, right? And they laid an egg. At kickoff time, yeah. They laid an egg against the Washington Commanders. And I know Jerry Jones talked about, oh, man, you know, we're going to be sucking on this thing all week. Okay, cool, whatever. And I know I, I know your point about, oh, you know, you're, you're playing angry or whatever it is. Or maybe this is just who the Cowboys are. And Dak Prescott, for all of his talent, has been turnover prone this year and has not really shown you a consistency of elevating the Cowboys be, you know, into a true Super Bowl contender. The Cowboys had a different identity when he was hurt, and it was successful for them. Defense and stay within themselves offensively. It worked for the most part. But since Dak Prescott's come back, it's almost like they decided, no, no, got to get away from that. Let's go back to playing Dak Prescott ball, which has done what exactly? I think it's, what, 15 interceptions in the 12 games that he's played this year. There's also the Mike McCarthy factor. Now, this does put a true test to the coaching aspect of how you pick these wildcard games, right? For instance, you look at the Jaguars, 
and you look at the San Diego Chargers, or I'm sorry, the Los Angeles Chargers, everybody loves Justin Herbert. There's a Herbert hive out there, man. They ride deep for Herbert. Except that Staley, Brandon Staley, the head coach of the Chargers, strikes me as a guy who overanalyzes to the point where he screws himself. Okay? And Doug Peterson was brought to Jacksonville for one specific purpose. Hey, aren't you one of these quarterback whispers? Well, we got a guy. And also, the Jacksonville Jaguars are a – you like to point this out about how quickly you can turn things around. They made a lot of moves through free agency, and a lot of those bets paid off for the Jaguars to win a bad division. This can be the Panthers, by the way. There's no reason why the Panthers can't not bounce back. I know everybody's obsessed about their draft picks, but if you're savvy enough in the uh, in the free agency pool like the Jaguars were, well, then you can do that. Now, the difference between the Jaguars and the Panthers is what? Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Yeah. He needed the quarterback in order for the whisperer to come in and and teach him the right way. And unfortunately, that's not what the Carolina Panthers have. Uh, They'd have to get some other bridge quarterback, um, much like Teddy Bridgewater was supposed to be that guy. But we know how that played out, and we don't need to relitigate it. But back to the Cowboys and the Buccaneers. You got Mike McCarthy as the head coach who is known to have a blunder or two in these big moments. Who's to say he won't have another one on Monday night? You got the Dolphins and the Bills. Speaking of potential landing spots for Tom Brady, I still think that Tua Tungavailoa is going to be, you know, the guy. I think they hope that the concussion thing will work itself out. He'll have a full off season. The Dolphins, though, even before Tungavailoa's concussions, were already on the wrong trajectory. That could be a question as to whether or not Mike McCarthy, their head coach, and what offensive system he was trying to run got figured out early on. I mean, that's a legitimate question. And then on top of that, the Buffalo Bills are just better than them. The Buffalo Bills, and we saw this uh, when they played them uh, in Buffalo, Dolphins played them close. It was fine. But I think the Bills, injuries aside, have had guys step out at different moments. We actually saw us against the Patriots with Naheem Hines with not one but two returns. Yeah, I was worried about Naheem in Buffalo. You know, since he got there, he had negative three rushing yards. He had one touchdown catch in, you know, the eight games that he's played for the Bills. And then yesterday, with with all of the NFL watching that game, mm-hmm. he ends up taking the opening kickoff back for a touchdown and really just igniting some kind of atmosphere there in Buffalo that was ready to embrace that type of play and that type of moment. So just... As texted with his dad yesterday, it's like Naheem's part of NFL history now. Yeah. You know? That's crazy. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and the other thing, too, and, and look, maybe this is where I get a little too caught up. As much as I try to take sentimentality out of watching sports sometimes, there is a reason why people lose their minds and they say things like, imagine not watching sports, or this is why you love sports. Like, there's any number of reasons that pull you in from the human drama of it all. A week ago today, we watched DeMar Hamlin have a cardiac arrest in the middle of a game in one of the most freakish things we'll ever see in sports. They had to resuscitate him. He is out of the UC Medical uh, Hospital, and he's off to Buffalo to do the rest of his recovery. And sometimes, you know, given all the emotions of the week and, and what the NFL had done with all the teams, but specifically to the Buffalo Bills, it's entirely possible that Naheem Hines breaking open the way that he did set the tone for the rest of the 
the Buffalo Bills and winning it for DeMar. Or, you know what, this has galvanized us together. They just needed that breakthrough, that reminder that, hey, man, we can still you know put this to the side and, and, and focus on one singular purpose for DeMar. So it would be a great story. It would be a great story. And sometimes great stories do play out. They do play out sometimes. So I'm just I'm just kind of laying that out there for the Buffalo Bills that this might be one of the best sentimental, you know, feel good stories of what could have been a an immense tragedy on Monday night football a week ago. And he's out of the hospital. I mean, it's just the progress that Hamlin's awesome. made is just it's awesome. phenomenal. I mean, what do you think it's going to look like when he shows up to the stadium for a playoff game? Right, because you know that's happening. He's gonna be he's gonna be brought out, and there's gonna be this. Hopefully, in the in the owner's suite. Yeah, yeah. Don't put him out in the cold. <laughs> yeah, don't put him out in the cold. Okay, just you owe him that much. You owe him that much. The only team that I'd be worried about, by the way, would be the Bengals in the AFC, and obviously you got the Chiefs as well. But Buffalo, what's standing in their way, are two really good teams. One team has been consistently good all season long with the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, where every one of their off season moves, you know, people thinking, oh, this is it for Patrick Mahomes. They don't have the weapons. It's paid off. Yeah, I doubted them. And then you've got the Bengals who are doing that classic thing of getting hot at the right time with a quarterback in Joe Burrow who's as, who has all the swagger. One of the note about the NFL and uh, the wild card weekend coming up. Keep an eye on what happens in Baltimore. John Harbaugh, the head coach, had press availability today, and he's I'm paraphrasing here, but he said he did not know what the status of Lamar Jackson is going to be going into the playoff game this weekend. That's alarming. You know, behind the scenes, we've been distracted by other things, but behind the scenes, there has been this consistent storyline about Lamar Jackson, his contract. Remember, he doesn't have an agent. He negotiates for himself, essentially. He wanted Deshaun Watson guaranteed money. He did not get that. And it's entirely possible that all this is kind of playing out on the back end rather than the front end of a holdout or whatever it is. I will say this somebody's going to give Lamar Jackson a whole bunch of money. And the Baltimore Ravens are going to look foolish for not locking this thing up when they could have. It always costs teams more in the long run. When you've got an opportunity to lock up your franchise quarterback, you do it. Because the longer you wait, it's going to get even more expensive. Even if they suffer an injury, like Lamar Jackson. Because if you're not going to pay it this offseason, somebody else will. Well, they can franchise them this year, so... And then do what you do? You do have the potential of alienating the guy again. Absolutely. Too. So that's always a, a calculus you have to take into account when it comes to these quarterback negotiations. He's not Kirk Cousins, okay? Just saying. 